The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Sports Baseball Show. Here are your hosts, the luckiest men on the face of the earth, Chase Madorsky and Alex Spector. Welcome to episode 10 of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show. A month into the MLB season, we have officially hit double digits for our podcast, so a little pat on the shoulder for us. Yeah. Pat on the back, as Ben normally say. I like pat on the shoulder. It's a baseball show. What does that have anything to do with <laughs> where you get patted on? Because, you know, it's like the pitcher, you pat him on the shoulder. Wouldn't you ideally not pat him on the shoulder so you don't mess up their shoulder? Well, you would pat him on the ass, but it's 2019, so who knows what the pitcher's going to say. Oh, yeah, you got to send him to the aisle. Exactly. <laughs> Boom. With my producer, Sam Beck. Alex Spector is back in the house from Spain. Uh, apparently, he's been home for like two weeks. Uh, we just yeah, haven't seen him. I don't know him. what happened there. I was, uh, I've been home for like 10 days. I've just been hanging out waiting I, for you guys to tell me to come back. I thought you were gone for a while, and Bryce was pretty stoked to uh, do a second show with us. And I had already had the notes typed out and sent to him. So, Plus, we left the microphone at his party. How many lifts did you guys pack during the show? None. None. What? Winky face emoji. Oh. Brought to you by Stokers. <laughs> That's one of those, right? Stoker's, yeah. Stoker's is the one you can only buy by the tub, actually. It's like in Pennsylvania. That was... Alright, first That's tangent of the show. Concept. This is so... like I wanted to, for camp, uh, anyone who went to Penn State... So granted, I was asking like the John Grosses of the world. You know, we spent so much money... Yeah, I'm on the show. He knows all this We stuff. spent so much money uh, on chewing tobacco at summer camp. Uh, and before you think we have a gross habit... Yes, it is a gross habit, but when you're outdoors, pretty much just playing baseball and playing sports 24-7, it's good to have a lip in. Um, and I wanted them to just have a giant tub of Stokers we can like throw in the HC, and then just everyone refills their tins. Wow, that would be great. That would be, I'm not a, not a chewing tobacco guy, but I do, I like the concept <laughs> of that. I really do. Fiscally, it makes so oh, much no, sense. I'm totally about the concept of that. Alright, yeah, and speaking of uh, fiscalness, we'll jump right into our Bovada Sportsbook Picks of the Week. Uh, so, Sam, I'm going to throw this over to you. How did we do last week? And now, keep in mind, uh, this was Bryce picking last yes, week, not for, Alex. For Team Spectre. Uh, so, I did badly. I went one for seven on my picks. Lost $51. Not great. Um, you uh, came in second of the three of us. You went five for seven, up 19 bucks. And Team Bryce and Spectre in first place last week. Also put five me on for Bryce's seven. team? Well, he was something for you. Okay, fine. Uh, five for seven, made twenty three bucks, and I was only down twenty five bucks in real life, so that's like I was up fifty. Yeah, I had my bank account hacked. I have like forty six dollars <laughs> in my name right now, so I can't be betting right now. Um, all right, so we're getting the rules for our Bavada picks. Uh, you have to pick two games uh, with the spread. Uh, so with that said, we will jump right into it. Uh, so the first game Bavada has listed the Cardinals at the Nationals. Michael Waka on the bump. He's on our fantasy team uh, for the Cards. Patrick Corbin for the Nats. 
We're going to talk about a month into the season, some of our early season award picks, and Corbin has been right in the thick of the early NL Cy Young race in his first year with the Nationals. Uh, and for that reason, as good as the Cardinals have been, give me the Nats minus 140. Give me under eight and a half. Pitcher's duel. Waka, he's coming back. Are we allowing, How's he been this year? Are we allowing the run over under? All right, so this is going to be something the three uh, of us are going to discuss right now. Yeah, well, I, think, I know the rules. I think for... You've been gone a while. Yeah. You're in another country. Yeah. I think it could be you have to pick two spreads or two over-unders. So, in other words, you have to pick two non-game lines. Are we all in agreement with yeah. that? Yeah. All right. So, Spock is going with the under. No, I'm going to change my mind in that case. <laughs> okay. Give me the Nats and give me them, uh, give them minus one and a half at plus 145. Solid. So, I think that's good value. Yeah. I'm with you, Spectre. I'm doing the same thing. Nats yeah. minus one and a half. All right. The next game we got on Bovada. You have the Reds and the Mets. Tanner Roark on the bump for the Reds. Zach Wheeler for the Mets. Uh, Wheeler has not been very good this year, but I think that the Reds absolutely stink. Uh, no Robbie Cano for the Mets tonight, so give me the uh, Mets minus 164 still. Hmm. Okay, okay. I see what you're getting at there. Um, I think these teams are going to end up scoring a lot of runs because the Mets have like the worst, somehow the worst starting pitching in baseball, right? That's a thing? Yeah, so each of the Mets' five starters this year has a four-plus ERA and has made at least four starts. Um, that's the most of any team in baseball this if, season. If you had told me going into the year that the Mets would have like the worst starting pitching in baseball, but that the offense be would good. be, but that the offense would be really good, that's I would have said saying. you were crazy. Yeah, there's no way. So that, that said, said, you're taking the over. I'm yeah, Give me the over. On this over one. seven and a half minus one ten. All of these games. That's how it works, brother. It's a full slate tonight. I learned a lot about Jesus Christ, by the way, in Spain. <laughs> Did you now? The same. I was about to say, holy Jesus, but. No, we say Holy Moses. Did you also know not only was Jesus a Jew, Christopher Columbus was a Jew. I did, did not, not know that. And Alex Bregman. I knew Alex Bregman. So, wow. Yeah. And Julian Edelman. Yeah. Great. And me. And also me. Hope everybody had a great uh, Passover. Uh, Passover, by the way, and Easter. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. It's yeah, nice. like a week behind there, but it's yeah. all Anyways, good. now let's talk about gambling. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm going to take the Reds' money line in that one. Uh, go with my gut there. All right, the next game. I'll tell you about my gut. You can see what I just did in the bathroom before we started. We were, it's 722 uh, <laughs> here in New York, and we were supposed to start this podcast. Me and Sam got here at 630. Uh, let's just say Alex had a Yobagoya. We agreed on 7 o'clock, and I had roti for dinner. Not sponsored by roti. Just saying. I just ate it, and it was, it was good. But you know when you get chicken sometimes, and it's like dark, and you're like, this is just not going to go well. That was, <laughs> that was my dinner tonight. All right. Uh, next game, we got A's at the Red Sox. Frankie Montas on the hill for the A's. Eduardo Rodriguez for the Sox. The Red Sox have stung me again and again and again this year. Um, so for that reason, give me the A's plus 116. Dude, I love when um, we're doing this show and I see somebody's name that I have literally never heard of in my life. <laughs> Frankie, how do you say it? Montas? Montas. Dude, he's good. Yeah. Um, Give me... Yeah, the Red, you know, the, the Red Sox are the right, so favorite one and a half. A's plus one sixteen. Props. Frankie Montas, seven innings, two earned, nine Ks. Wow, you're that here first. That's a bold pick. I know. I'm gonna take the other side there. I'm actually gonna go Sox minus one and a half. They can't let me down every time I bet on them. See, so. that's what we keep saying. Eventually, and I'll I think right. we're I think you're wrong, but eventually I'll be right. What's going on with them this year? 
they stink. Hold your horses. We're, we're getting there. Uh, What's that song about the horses? Old time road. Gonna yeah. take that my That song horses. is electric. <laughs> <laughs> It's what Vlad Jr. comes out. Does he? Yeah. Wow, that's so sick. I gotta watch that video. All right, the next game we got is Padres Braves, and I would love to know the Bavada odds of me getting this Padres pitcher's name right. Uh, You have Nick Margavicius. Margavicious. Margavicious. Nick Margavicious pitching against Mike Soroka. I just picked up Mike Soroka in fantasy. So give me the Braves. Nope, other team. So give me the Braves minus one and a half plus one twenty. This is like, see, this is why gambling on baseball is so challenging. Because I look at these lines and I'm just like, I have no idea. Really, I have no clue. <laughs> Who's the home team here? The Braves? Yes. The Braves. Minus one and a half. Plus 120. That's a horrible bet. <laughs> it's a good thing it's for playing money. <laughs> I'm going to listen to Spectre. I think that is a horrible bet. I'm going to go Padres money line there. Dude, Margaret Vicious is also in good. I've actually, him I actually know. Plus 144? Been following the Padres a little bit. All right, next game that Bavada has, and this is an interesting one to me. Um, Rockies with Kyle Freeland on the mound against the Brewers and Zach Davies. Uh, Zach Davies has been really good for the Brewers this year, a big early season surprise. Kyle Freeland's just coming off the DL. But that said, there is no Yelich in the lineup tonight for the Brewers. Pound, pound, pound the Rockies, plus one and a half, minus 200. Oof, those are brutal odds, though. I'll take the Rockies minus 104. Because, like, minus 200, just, like, that's a lot. For all the money we're spending on these bets. I'm just saying, if I, listen, I got $46 in my name right now, and I have two outstanding Venmos that are more than that. (laughs) So, you got to be conservative for these. Imagine if I put 20 and only to win 10 and I lost. No, give me minus 104. For, for a run and a half difference, come on. So this is the moment in the show where there's four games left and I realize I still have to pick another spread. Um, oh yeah, I gotta pick a... But uh, Sam, run. these uh, Rockies Brewers, what are we thinking? Well, I didn't know that Yelich news, so I had the Brewers minus one and a half, but I'm gonna flip-flop, take the Rockies money line, and now the Brewers are gonna win by 10. Fair enough. Uh, this to me, I think is gonna be the game of the night. Astros with Verlander on the bump against the Twins and Jake Odorizzi. I really, really like the Twins. I like Oda Rizzi. I've been telling Alex that I think the Twins are going to beat the Indians since we've been doing this podcast. But Verlander's my Cy Young pick. And uh, like we've been saying for years, he goes home to Kate Upton at night. And I only look at pictures of her. Uh, so give me the Astros, minus one and a half, minus one fifteen. What do you do with those pictures? Just stare at them. Fair. Nothing else. I like the Astros in this one too. Nothing to do with Kate Upton. <laughs> but I do like Kate Upton. But I will, I just think that like, Verlander's just been so good. Odorizzi hasn't, you know, I don't care if the Twins are, have been playing well, the better pitcher is pitching. So give me, have I, have I done enough spreads yet? I don't, Yeah. am I good on that? Yep. I want to do it again, though. You can. Minus one and a half. Give me Verlander. Sure. Nice. I just don't like these money line bets. Like, how do you have any idea in baseball? You don't. That's what I'm saying. That's but there's I'm... 200 days worth of games to bet on, so... Eventually, it needs to sell out. I bet every single day and, uh, on professional baseball. Say there's what, 200 days? Or oh, there's actually there's 180 days, right? 180. It's 162 games, 180 days. It Sounds is. about right. It is. I would probably go. I probably have like a winning percentage of like 30. 
Yeah. Oh, max. Like if I, it's like basketball. It's another one. Based on our start to the regular season, thirty may be generous. Really? I, I went one for seven, like easily last week. I could do that. I don't know anything. I don't know anything. I'm about to go <laughs> one for seven again this week. And on that note, I'm this taking Ben's money line. Ooh. They're gonna lose, but I like the odds, so I'm going with it. I like it. All right, this next game, this is the crapshoot game of the night. Bavada has the Orioles and John Means on the mound against the White Sox and Manny Banuelos, former Yankee, Yankee top prospect. I'm glad he's getting a shot in the bigs. Um, anyone got a coin? Dude, Banuelos was almost good for a minute. Do you have a coin? Uh, yeah, actually. Well, no. Oh, there's no Here we go. I literally I have, I have to save every penny I have. I'm going to give it back to you, I promise. Uh, I'm maybe down a penny. Yeah, I'm down. Oh, here we go. Okay, penny. All right. If it's uh, heads, I'm taking the Orioles here. If it's tails, I'm taking the White Sox. Penny down. And it is tails. So we're taking the White Sox minus one thirty. Go former Yanks and Tim Anderson. Don't get me started. Dude, Tim Anderson's been unreal. You know who wanted to pick him up in fantasy, and you know who else wouldn't let him? Um, I like, I don't know. This penny looks like it just came out of your ass. <laughs> Is that why you were in there for so long? <laughs> no comment. Um, let's see. I mean, these two teams stink. I like, give me the O's because they're in the American League East. But like, see, that's such a dumb reason to be betting this. But give me them plus 110. I'm going to go White Sox money line as well, Chase. Real quick, you were talking about the O's. Uh, we have that's just so weird. We haven't done a Blyer update in a while. Did he hurt? He's on the DL and he the IL nope. IL. And before he went to the IL in four games, he has a fourteen point five four ERA, yeah, he's a two point oh seven seven WHIP, and a negative point three WAR. He's hurt. He's thanks. Him and him and Chris Sale, they're both hurt. Tampa Bay Rays and Ryan Stanek, the opener for the Rays against Brad Keller and the Royals. I got Keller in fantasy, uh, but he. Lost to the Rays last week, uh, but the Royals beat Blake Snell last week. So all of that said, give me the Rays minus one and a half, minus one ten. <laughs> you say Keller pitched against the Rays last week? Yes. And he lost? Correct. That means he's winning this week. Plus 137. Yeah, but he still hasn't served his suspension. I think he's going to lose until he serves. No. That's that's dumb. Yo, he was born the same year as me. Tim exactly. Anderson served, and he had another walk-off bomb with an all-time bat clip. You just have to rub it in my face. He's the man. Your you pick? Want, I was waiting for a spectator. Oh, no, I said the, the, Royals. I like the Royals plus 137. Ooh, and I got to take over-under my next one. Go blatantly take it over. You don't have to take over-under. I want to. All right. I'm going to do the Royals as well. And last but not least in the NL West, Kenta Maeda and the Dodgers visiting Jeff the Sharks, Samarja, and the Giants. My roommate yesterday, uh, we were watching Derek Rodriguez pitch, uh, son of Pudge, against the Yankees. For the first four innings, he thought it was Jeff Samarja. Uh, wait, Pudge's kid? Did you watch the Yankees yesterday? No, I didn't. Yeah, Pudge's kid is uh, the, like three or four starter for the Giants. Derek. What's his name? Derek Rodriguez. He's like a Pudge and Benito Santiago had a kid, a.k.a. he is not good looking. <laughs> He's a weird looking dude. Uh, give me the Dodgers uh, minus 150. Even though my eight has been terrible and Yuri should be in the rotation. Yeah, I'm taking the over in this one. Maybe uh, maybe Buster Posey will actually play. He's on my fantasy team. He's about anything this year. What's the over under on this? Eight. Nice. I'm going to see like with... six to three. Give me. I'm going to ride the former All American wide receiver, 
Jeff Samarja to the Giants. Big win. Brady Quinn's up too. Never forget that Jeff Samarja was in All American with Calvin Johnson at wide receiver. Dude, he was so good at football. Dude, so he was good. in ninety five in NCAA football two thousand eight. He was sick. Yeah, he was unbelievable. Uh, all right, so those are our picks of the week. Those and were great video games, by the way. NCAA football. I wish they still made that. That was one of the. I forget yeah, what. Co- back, I forget who tweeted it, but they were like, "I don't care how much you have to pay us as college football players. Just please, please bring back NCAA football." Right? Dude, these were so much fun. The hoops games were my favorite, honestly. Oh yeah, those were good too. But you I know mean, what the, I liked? The college moments were. Just Dude, I used to be. I used to get. Um, I can't remember who the running back was at that time. Oh, McFadden. I would get him. I would talk. Yeah, I would be him, and I would just run the like. The wild, yeah. yeah, the wildcat thing. You know what? I'd also put them at punter, and I fake. Can you fake name punter. the other two running backs, oh, NFL yeah. running backs, oh, play with yes, McFadden? and let's hear it. Felix Jones and Peyton Ellis. My man. Wow. Oh yeah. He might not know everything about baseball on a baseball podcast. I know right? significantly. But if you ask him to know the Arkansas uh, running back rotation of two thousand seven, that, that was a nice stable they had there. Yeah, Peyton Ellis didn't touch the ball. But to be fair, he only touched the ball for two years in the NFL. Nobody got the cover, man. Got the cover. That's the important part. Be on the cover next year. Sales are going to just plummet. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So, looking around the league at the standings, uh, the American League East. uh, So, I just want to say, and again, you could call us Yankee homers or whatever, but this has been unbelievable what this team is doing. Yeah. 17-11. 17-11, they are tied with the Astros for the fifth best record in baseball. They have the second best run differential in baseball, plus 37. Uh, they're only a game and a half back. Uh, before we go and, you know, jerk the Yankees off a little bit, uh, let's give credit... Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're not talking about Kate Upton anymore. <laughs> you said it, man. Not me. Oh, you said it before. <laughs> I just said I was looking at the pictures. Yeah, and you said jerk off in the same, like, 20-minute segment. 20, 20 minutes. Oh, sorry. Are you sitting in there for 20 minutes? I was sitting there for a long, long time. <laughs> that was poop, so continue. All right, so we have to give Ray, the Rays uh, the credit that they deserve. I mean, this team, so good, so deep, uh, and really is interesting just because, I mean, you look at their top players, Yandy Diaz, who's got a 1.130 OPS. They acquired him from the Indians. Tommy Pham, uh, trade from the Cardinals. Austin Meadows, trade from the Pirates. Uh, Vizel Garcia, free agency. Uh, so really built this team at kind of, you know, nine and dime shopping type of thing. Uh, but the pitching, I mean, this bullpen, have you seen um, Jose Alvarado pitch at all? No. This guy is a hard-throwing lefty. Oh, Dude, yes, I have. he's yes, got the craziest movement I've ever seen. And it's the thing is, they're a team that can legitimately, I think, win 100 games with only three starters just because the bullpen's that good. And Glasnow, Morden, and Snell are a really, really good one, two, three. Yeah, and they got that opener thing going with them, and it's working well. Yeah, Who I mean. Who's the show here? Who's the manager? Kevin Cash. Former uh, Yankee yeah. catcher, Kevin yeah, Cash. Yeah. Um, but back to the Yanks. I, I mean, I watched that game yesterday, and it's like Gio Urshela, who stepped up so big for the Yankees. Uh, Gio is hitting 351 right now, which. Before the season, I didn't even know who Gio Urshela was. Uh, I thought he was super young. Turns out he's 27. Uh, So not even like a young prospect guy. But, I mean, it's like he's getting hit in the hand with the fastball. Uh, LeMay, who left the game with a knee injury and is fine. Uh, But it's incredible just because it's really been a next-man-up mentality for the team. Uh, The rotation has been really, really solid. Uh, And we're going to talk about our early season award picks. But Luke Voigt is a legit MVP contender right now. Yeah, I mean, he had a I mean, player of the week last week. He's 
just conti- continues going. Oh, he's been on base almost forty straight games. I think it's thirty nine right now. Yeah, it's insane. He hits the ball to all parts of the field. He gets on base. He did great over the shoulder catch the other day too. Yeah, that's the thing. Starting Defensively, he's defense. now like solid. I mean, he yeah, could have just he could have just backpedaled and made the play. But. Yeah, he's not going to kill us defensively. I mean, though. he's been the he's been the Yankee MVP for sure. Um, it, it's been amazing because like you want, see what's going on. If you told me this was going to happen this year, I would have said a good thing they're deep. But like literally. The, the lineup... 15, 15 guys out right now? So yeah, they crazy. showed the, the... when Before Sanchez came back, they showed like what the diamond would look like with all the injured players, and it's literally an all-star team. Yeah, I mean, big shout-out to Gary. Uh, the average still is not great, 232, but eight homers in 15 games, and he hit two monster home runs at AT&T Park this weekend. Uh, one interesting note about Luke Voigt uh, from Twitter, Jason Collette p- tweeted this. Uh, weighted on base average is a fan stat, which is basically like... OPS on steroids, uh, and the only players with a higher weighted on base average than Luke Voigt uh, since he joined the Yankees are Yelich, Trout, and Cody Bellinger. It's insane. That's a crazy stat. But uh, you talked about the depth. Um, Taylor Cousineau on Twitter. Uh, one interesting note he made. You know, we didn't go after Harper, and we didn't go after any outfielders uh, this off season, which is why Cameron Maben. We kind of. Pulled him out of irrelevancy so uh, from the Indians. Tyler Wade's been playing a little bit of left. Uh, and he said, though, you know, the point is, yes, we do have six outfielders, and they are six deep. Um, but those were the same six outfielders we had last year when Shane Robinson was starting for a month. Yeah. Where all those guys, Stanton is injury prone. Hicks hasn't played yet this year. Frazier's one of those guys, I think, like Bryce Harper, where he's going to get hurt just because of how hard he plays the game. Mm-hmm. I uh, love him. He plays so hard, so hard. So hard, but again, he plays so hard that he gets hurt. Where at a certain point, how valuable are you to the team if you can't stay on the field? That's fair. Yeah, I mean, I like his grit. I like his grit too, but I don't know. It's, I love his grit. I think, dude, I think that the big story here in, is with the Yankees. Like, obviously, they're playing out of their minds with the guys that they're putting on the field, but the fact that these guys aren't on the field, it might be time for what's his name? Who's the, Donahue? Who's the. Steve Donahue? He's got to go. It's, dude, he just hasn't evolved at the times. These guys are so much bigger and stronger and have so much more muscle and have such different... They're so much different than the players were in the 90s that, like, he... Whatever they're doing, whatever off-season conditioning right. the Yankees are doing, whatever pregame stretching or that they're doing or not doing, like, there's got to be some other components here that they're just missing, which is why they're all getting hurt. So I mean, the Mets last year. They fired their guy of 20 years because... Whatever he was doing, it wasn't working anymore. These the athletes now are so much more, so much different than they used to be. That whatever was working back then, when you got guys that are you know six eight, two hundred ninety pounds playing right field, he needs a, to like, do a lot more than Bernie like, Williams yeah. needed to do. You know, so it's got they got to evolve at the times. And like, where do you point the blame? You point the blame at the training staff because like this is not normal. You know, no. And it's not like it's like a hit by pitch, broken wrist. No, these are like, like injuries from crashing like, into the into dude, the seats. You like, have two guys that, that are missing extended periods of time because they swung the bat. Right. Like, come on. Yeah. Just because they're super strong doesn't mean like they you they hurt your oblique. You should swing the bat as hard as you want yeah. and not hurt yourself. It is crazy. All that said, though, that we thought Andahar wasn't going to play again this year, and he's looking like he might be playing third for the Yanks next week. I know. I, that, I'm happy about that. And they said there was a chance that that was going to happen. Uh, I'm I didn't. Shocked. I didn't buy it. Yeah, I thought that they were like, listen, he's young. We'll just shut him down. But I mean, he he looks like he's gonna be back. It's the kind of thing though. Within a month, he could retweak it and they'll shut him down. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't surprise me. 
I agree. Well, you got a guy like Tanaka been playing with it, carrying his elbow for three seasons now. So he looks pretty good. Yeah. So I mean, clearly these guys can do that, but just I mean, and that one that that injury for the record is one of the ones where I'm like, all right, that's no one's fault. That that's. That's a bang bang play where he slides in. I think one. I think the one difference. I mean, yes, Tanaka's a pitcher, so anything involving the yeah. arm is obviously essential. I wonder how much easier it is to play with a slight tear in your elbow versus a slight tear in your shoulder. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm fortunate to have not really ever gotten too hurt in my life. Also, not a great athlete, so I wouldn't know. But um, I'm with you on both. Though. Yeah, but hey, um, I think that I think that the injuries like that. Where you slide into the bag and hurt yourself That's like it. that, you know what that happens. It's fluke. That's a it's fluke part of the game. Injury. Like, but if you're hurting yourself swinging the bat, or you're you're hurting yourself by squatting down to play catcher, like, come on. At a certain point, like that, something's got to get there. Last point for the ALEs. How great is it that the Orioles, for about two weeks of the season, literally had an everyday player who didn't get a hit, and yet the Red Sox only have one more win than them. Dude. Red Sox, you know the Red Sox will figure it out, but they're too good not to. But that's, I don't know what's going on with that. Here's the only thing with the Red Sox, and, and yes, they're not nearly as bad as they are right now. They're 11 and 17 and fourth uh, in the AL East. I think the lineup has a lot of room to improve, but I don't know, other than Sale completely turning it around. Dude, Sale's blatantly hurt, by the way. How much better the team's going to get out of their pitching? The bullpen has no standouts. David Price is really solid right now, but. I don't expect Rick Porcello or Eduardo Rodriguez to flip the switch again. No, I don't think so either. I think those guys both have pitched. And Ivaldi too, by the way. Who's hurt? Is he hurt? I didn't even know that. Yeah, he got a loose elbow screw. So he's out for like two months. It's like these guys are all guys that like pitched better than they are. You know what I mean? Like Porcello, he won the Cy Young a couple years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's not a Cy Young worthy pitcher. Eduardo Rodriguez was great last year, but like didn't really look that good. He just... To me, it. Porcello is a much better version of Mike Leak. Mm. Like 200 innings every year, ERA hovering right around four, but like he's not going to strike a lot of guys out, and he's that. Yeah. But they're paying him 21 million a year. Yeah. Um, I think sales hurt by like like. Yeah, I mean his velocity is back up. He's just getting hit. Yeah. Something's not right. Like when when a guy who's that good is getting hit like this, something's not right. I agree. Because he's clearly doing something. Like, you know who I think is hurt, by the way? Who's the guy the Yankees just sent down? The reliever. Uh, Chad Green. Chad Green. He's hurt. He has to be. Like, they were even saying on the broadcast a couple weeks ago, um, it was a, it was the first of two games where there was a... He came in, loaded the bases, and then out of you know, gave a grand slam. It was like two weeks ago. Um, he, they were talking about how the reason he's not as good this year is because he's not, like, Short arm it. Well, yeah, they said. Well, they're saying is that he's not like, um, like aligned to the plate correctly when he lands, which is like a mechanical thing. But like half the time when these things go go wrong with people like pitchers' mechanics, it's because they're hurt, and they're like trying to overcompensate for something, and something's a little off. So I'm sure there's something wrong with sales mechanics that I'm sure they're trying to fix, and I bet you he's too hurt to fix it. It's crazy that little tweak makes that big. It's crazy. Sometimes it's a mental thing too. To be honest, it could have been with Chad Green. Like Canley was clearly he was hurt last year. It was he's hurt, like and that. he got down on himself. And he's been unreal for us. Yeah, he's been like our best reliever. Uh, moving to the central, uh, I'm gonna go bottom up. Royals in last nine and nineteen. White Sox in fourth, eleven and fourteen. Tigers in third, twelve and fourteen. Indians two back of fifteen and twelve. Of the Twins at sixteen and nine. And again, I just think it's a matter of the Indians pitching. 
you know, Shane Bieber's proving he's legit. Told you. But Clevenger's hurt. Bauer's great. Kluber's been a massive disappointment so far. And Carrasco looks banged up, and he's topsy-turvy. The only reason I think the Twins can beat them out is, other than Berrios, they don't have any names that pale into comparison of the Indians pitching. But you have Odorizzi. You have Pineda. You have a couple solid arms behind them and a really deep bullpen. But the Twins lineup is really good yeah, top to bottom. Really I mean, Eddie Rosario is leading the league in home runs. Uh, so Nelson Cruz, Scope. They just made a lot of good offseason moves and have a good deep bullpen. And Rocco Bedelli's their manager. You remember Rocco Bedelli? Dude, Rocco, yeah, he was, uh, he was like the greatest rookie, the first like really good rookie when I started watching baseball. And then he got sick. He had yeah. like some weird Crazy bone illness. disease. So we'll see what happens there. I think it'll be Twins and Indians pretty down to the wire. Uh, the one thing is if you're an Indian, if you're an Indians fan... You do wonder if around midseason, if the team's hovering around 500, you know, they already said they're not going to be able to sign Lindor in two years. Yeah. This is a small market team uh, that plays in a mid-major market in Cleveland, and it's just a matter of what point do you say we got to shed some assets. Uh, I mean, they openly tried to trade Kluber and Bauer yeah. in the spring. So we'll see what happens there. And in the AL West, um, you have the Angels in last, 12-17, and 17, A's in fourth, 14-16, and 16. Rangers in third, 14 and 13. Mariners hanging in there at 18 and 13. Astros in first, though, at 17 and 11. And Mariners a half game back. This Mariners ride has been fun, and there's a lot of surprises who we're going to talk about in a little bit. But the Astros are showing us there's a reason they won the World Series two years ago. There's a reason a lot of people picked them to repeat last year. This team's just really good. Really, really good. And there was that couple of the season, or that series a couple weeks ago where. Uh, like Altuve hadn't done anything yet this year. He's playing the Yankees. He had like he had six like homers against the Yanks. And now he's like borderline MVP right now. Uh, I mean, no, he's not. He's only hitting 257. But he went off and he's like finally figured it out. Um, yeah, this seems ridiculous. So, one guy who I think is just below the cusp of an MVP discussion right now, but who I want to give a shout out to and discuss is Joey Gallo. Uh, Joey Gallo, the past two years, has hit 41 and 40 homers. Uh, massive power for the Rays, or for the Rangers, excuse me. But that has come with averages of. 208, uh, 322 on base, and a 516 slugging. He's averaged 202 strikeouts a year the past two years. Uh, this year, though, on base is up to 385, averages up to 259, and he's got 18 walks. So let me ask you this. In modern-day baseball, if Gallo goes 40, 100, and let's say 259 with a 385 on base, he's a superstar, right? Yeah, 100%. Adam Dunn, man, wrong era. Yeah, totally. Adam Dunn, like, the career just got pushed back like a decade. Also, like the, those teams were never good. Somebody asked me if Adam Dunn hit 500, would he have been a homer or would he have been a Hall of Famer? I said absolutely not because he had 240 in his career. Yeah, probably not. But I think the similar argument is going to be, you know, if he plays long enough, Nick Markakis has a very realistic shot at 3,000 hits, and it's like 3,000 hits to me, even more so than 500 home runs, is like. If you have 3,000 hits, you're a Hall of Famer. Yeah. But it's like, I've never even thought of Dick Markakis as an all-star. He made his all-star last year. was the first one. Yeah. So I think that would be an extremely interesting test of Dude. how much do people care about counting Adam numbers. Dunn retired when he was 34. He could have easily had 500 home He just runs. didn't care. I mean, he also won in those last years with the White Sox at, what, 169? Uh, yeah, his last season he hit 219 in two seasons. Yeah, 2011 he hit 159. That's so bad. He also never came close to being an MVP, but he had a great nickname. Big Donkey. Big Donkey. <laughs> Not as good as uh, Travis Hafner. Do you remember him? I do remember Travis. His nickname was Prank. Really? No, Plank, sorry. Why? 
Travis Hafner. He was a Yankee for a second. He was a Yankee. That was in like the 2013-ish range when it was like, oh, we got Hafner and Uke. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was the teams that the Yankees would like put out and be like, come watch us for like a minute. That was one. Lyle Overbay, RBI machine. Oh, yeah. Moving over to the National League. Phillies at first, 16-12. Mets in second, 14-13. Braves at third, 13-14. Nats at fourth, 12-14. And the Marlins way down in fifth, 8-20. We already talked about the Mets pitching moves. That was what I really wanted to discuss in the NL East. Uh, I think the Phillies, their lineup is incredible. Um, Arietta and Nola, I think that one-two punch will ultimately carry them to the East. Uh, and I think... The Braves right now are sticking around just enough where their young pitchers are coming up. Fulton Evans just came back. Uh, and I'd like the Braves to do some damage. And the Nats, uh, I looked at an article I wrote from going into the 2018 season, mm-hmm. and I picked the Nats to make it to the World Series that year also. Oh, you love the Nats. I, I guess I'm a Nats home. I'm a closet Nats homer. Damn. Who knew? Not me. Well, actually me, based on our, sh- our shows to start the year. You were all in on that. Not working out. It's early. There's logic behind the pick. Yeah. Rendon, Rendon, if Rendon and Trey Turner aren't playing, which they aren't right now, mm-hmm. that pick goes to crap very quickly. Yeah. Well, I took Acuna to win the MVP. He's been pretty good. That's not MVP material. He's in the he's in the discussion. Okay. NL Central, Cardinals seventeen and ten, Cubs fourteen and twelve, Brewers fifteen and fourteen, Pirates twelve and fourteen, Reds eleven and sixteen. I took the Reds, I think, to win this. No, I didn't. I think I took them to make the playoffs, but you know, the Brewers, as good as Yelich has been, it's like if he's hurt, I think this lineup really doesn't produce, obviously doesn't produce like it would before, but his absence, it's a domino effect. How hurt is he? He's a back injury, but he hurt his back last year. Already missed some time with it this year. It's like one of those lingering injuries yeah. where like you casually end up missing 20 games. Yeah. Uh, they still don't have a true ace. The bullpen with uh, Jeffries and Abel still out. I think the Cardinals could really run away with this division just because they have everything. They have a deep lineup. They have, in my opinion right now, the most dominant relief pitcher in baseball um, in Jordan Hicks. Like, as great as Hayter is, mm-hmm. Hicks just throws so hard. Yeah, his stuff is ridiculous. And right now, I mean, they have Ozuna playing for a contract. Goldschmidt, they just locked up. I think the Cardinals could really do some damage in the Central. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if Yelich is going to be in and out of the lineup all year, that puts a real damper on what the Brewers are going to do. Um, the Cubs... Cubs are not for real, um, and then the card. Yeah, I mean the Cardinals are probably are the, probably the best team in this division right now. And to me, the Pirates are just the definition of a five hundred team. Didn't they just lose like nine games in a row? Uh, they're on an eight game losing streak. Oh yeah, so wow, they were twelve and six the last time we did this. That's tough if you're a Pirates fan. And in the NL West, you have the Dodgers nineteen eleven and first, Padres in second sixteen and twelve, D backs in third sixteen thirteen, Rockies in fourth thirteen and fifteen, and the Giants in last eleven and seventeen. I, to me, the Dodgers are the best team in the National League. Yeah. Um, the lineup is so deep. It's so deep that Cody Bellinger, who's having the best April in baseball history right now, was hitting six against the lefty last week, yeah. uh, which is kind of head-scratching. His stats are a joke. My two questions uh, about the NL West are, one, how much longer do you think the Padres can keep this up? Uh, and two, at what point do the Rockies kind of kick themselves in the ass and say, like, hey, we're better than a below 500 team? I mean, I think the Padres are, like... It was coming into this year, the big question with them was 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 who is pitching for this team, and they Chris Paddock, the rookie, has been a stud. Dude, those guys, their entire rotation has been solid. Yeah. So I think that like if, you, if they can, and Kirby Yates is casually the best, one of the best closers in baseball, and has one of the best names in baseball. Yeah. 
I mean, they have three guys, three pitchers that are like well sub four ERAs. Chris Paddock's been as good as anybody. He's also on my fantasy baseball team. For those of you guys who say I don't know anything about baseball. <laughs> um, I think that this team... Coach and pick them? No, I even coach him did anything. Coach didn't even know what a baseball Coach, you said the big four. That's what Coach did. Yeah, Coach and yeah, Coach and said every time I met was at anywhere relatively near our, where we were. So, oh, dude, gotta take Diaz. Dude, you gotta take uh, you know, we should take. We did take a four. We should take him to Alonzo. That guy's a beast. But in terms of the Padres, yeah, I mean, it all comes down to pitching. If these guys can continue this, why couldn't they continue to compete? I mean, not with the Dodgers, but they. could. They could be about about five hundred team. So what's his name? Just got hurt. Their uh, rookie, Tatis. Tatis did a nice split trying to uh, make a play so at second bad. base. And also they're doing all this, and Machado's been terrible. Well, that's the thing. I think for them to be, if they're five hundred this year, that's a huge step in the right direction. Dude, what is up with Ian Kinsler? He's got to be. He's got to retire. Yeah, he's an, he's an old thirty nine old Jew. Hey, he is an old Jew. So is Christopher Columbus. That's <laughs> true. All right, league leaders. Batting average, Tim Anderson still in first, 385 in the AL. Uh, one thing about Tim Anderson, I mean, this is a guy who was going to march to the beat of his own drum no matter what. Uh, he had another epic bat flip after a walk-off home run um, in a 12-11 win on Saturday against the Tigers, uh, which was crazy because Jose Abreu hit a three-run homer, but Anderson was waiting for it to go oh, out. I saw that. And Abreu passed Tim Anderson on the base path, so it was a two-run single. That's just, like, beyond stupidity. Yeah. I think on a Braves end, though. I think Anderson did the right thing. You definitely wait. Uh, So after the bat flip, Anderson said, I knew I had to do it. It's different. I did it again, so let the people know it wasn't a fluke. It was definitely a great moment. I don't know the old school rules. I guess those are the rules when those guys played, but they're not playing anymore. So I think we're going to switch it up a little bit. I love it. How can you not root for Tim Anderson? I love this guy. Tim Anderson's in there. All right. And then NL average leader, Cody Bellinger, 427. Ludicrous. Uh, AL home runs, Eddie Rosario with 11, Yelich and Bellinger with 14 apiece. AL ribbies, Domingo Santana, Mariners outfielder in first with 30, although defensively he has been a mess. Bellinger in the NL with 36. And on the pitching side of things, AL wins, tied for five, Marco Gonzalez of the Mariners, Tyler Glasnow, and Domingo Herman. Who would have thought? And in the NL, Arietta and Zach Greinke with four. ERA, NL, Luis Castillo, one, two, three. Marcus Stroman, one four three in the AL. And we are a month into the season, and the Toronto Blue Jays still have three of the top five pitchers in the American League in ERA. Isn't that Shoemaker after the year, though? Yeah, but he'll be on it for another week. (laughs) Saves, Shane Green still leading with 11. Kirby Yates leading baseball. Shane Green was a Yankee. Yeah. Kirby Yates leading the NL with 13 and leading all baseball. And then wins above replacement. Mike Trout. So Trout's on base percentage is 500. And he's doing Mike Trout things, and his war is 2.3. Just to put into perspective how good Bellinger's been, he's got a full win above Trout, 3.3. Yeah, he's been insane. And he plays first base. No, he plays mostly center field. Oh, does he? He plays everywhere. Dude, he's the man. All right, so we'll... uh, We got that one right coming into the year. We were like, he's going to bounce back. And uh, I didn't know if he was going to do this. So love, like, in the beginning of the season, to look at, like, these guys on pace stats... He's projected for to like barely break Barry Bonds' home run record. <laughs> <laughs> so a month into the season, uh, we're just going to do uh, some early season award picks. So we'll start with uh, in the M- MVP race. Uh, American League, to me, the three main candidates are Mike Trout, Luke Voigt, Matt Chapman. Uh, I mean, Trout, again, 
Trout has been just as good as ever this year. I mean, he's hitting 305, but he's got six homers. Uh, although Tommy LaStella, his Angels teammate, has more homers than Mike Trout a month then. I don't think anyone would have projected that, but a 496 on base. We have finally gotten to the second person that we plays baseball that I don't know. <laughs> He's a good former Cub. 585 slugging. Uh, Chapman for the A's. Again, always has had the all-world all glove. Um, but 284, 385, 578. Eight homers, 19 ribbies. And again, I think Luke Voigt, given the narrative of how the Yankees have been this year... He's a legit MVP candidate. 283, 397, 538. So that's a 935 OPS. Eight homers, 25 ribbies, 21 runs, a 39-game on-base streak. Um, of these three guys, I don't think Luke Voigt has been the best player of the three. But if you were going by the literal definition of most valuable player, I'd have to go Luke Voigt because he's been the only consistent bat in the Yankee lineup all year uh, for a team that's one of the five best teams in baseball. So my early AL MVP pick is Luke Voigt. I love to hear that because I love Luke Voigt. Uh, and I love the Yankees, obviously. And he had, is the only guy that's... Also, feel playing. free to pick somebody who I didn't put in the notes. No, I know. <laughs> I, I, I gotta tell you, like, I'm... I, you know, obviously, oh, it's too early to pick. But, like, in the American League, it's like nobody has even come close to separating themselves. I mean, you would take... I'm always... You, in my opinion, you have to make the playoffs to be the most valuable player. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm... Yeah. I get technically you don't because they vote on war these days. And so it's always going to be Trout. But for this sake, argument's sake, you have to make the playoffs. So you're taking somebody from the Yankees or somebody from the Rays or somebody from one of these teams, and none of them, no one's really standing out except for Luke Voigt. If Austin Meadows didn't get hurt, he would be yeah. in this conversation. Yeah. If Domingo Santana knew how to play the field. Yeah. Maybe some guy on the twin. I mean, Eddie Rosario is just too, like, Hot and cold. Jorge Polanco, their shortstop's crushing it. I just think for a shortstop to win the MVP, it's got to be all world numbers. Yeah, and like, and it's like really, good, but and it's really hard for somebody from Minnesota to win an award yeah. like that. Ask yeah. Johan Santana; he should have won four Cy Youngs. Dude, and like, and like, I would say Voigt, but like Voigt plays first base and doesn't play a great first base. So, I, I mean, I want to say like Voigt just cause, but like right now, I'm gonna say I'm I'm gonna go against what I said about the playoffs. I'm gonna say Trout right now because he's just hitting. It's yeah. 500 on base percentage and nobody else in the American League is doing anything compared to I don't I think you know what I mean I don't think it's I think it's clearly Trout and they're in the last he, place in the West like he gets on base every other time he gets up to the plate yeah and, like, and you know at some point somebody in the American League will start to really heat up and will compete with Trout and their team will make the playoffs and Trout won't win right. but right now it's too early to say so that was a long winded way of saying the best player on the planet um National? Oh, do we do National League yet? No, we got to let Sam go. Oh, I said Charles. Well. Yeah. All right, National League. Uh, Yelich has been ridiculous, uh, and this is where I'm going to give Barry Bonds a little bit of love. Also, right now, uh, Yelich's OPS this season uh, is 1.420 uh, over his last 37 games played, which is otherworldly. Uh, in his 2004 MVP year, Bonds had that OPS for an entire season. <laughs> yeah, he was a joke. But that said, as good as Yelich has been. Bellinger is the MVP right yeah, now. No doubt. Bellinger is the best player in baseball right now. 14 homers, 36 ribbies, 44 hits. He's stolen five bases, has walked more than he struck out, which to me is huge. He's hitting 427, literally has an on base of 500, so he's getting on every other time. And he plays center field for the best team in baseball. Yeah, no question. I mean, we're all in agreement. All right. Um, Cy Young is where it gets a little interesting. Uh, AL is kind of a mixed bag between superstars. 
Uh, you have Verlander and Trevor Bauer. You have young guys who are making their names, uh, Tyler Glass now. And then you have two journeymen and Marco Gonzalez and Mike Miner. Uh, this week, Miner was the first Rangers pitcher with 13 strikeouts in a game since Hugh Darvish uh, back on August 12, 2013. Uh, that was my dad's birthday. Mm, so, Hugh Darvish, good birthday shout out for Mike. Uh, but of all of these guys, as much as I want to give it to Verlander because he was my Cy Young pick, writers love a narrative. And I think the fact that the Tampa Bay Rays, using an opener, could have back-to-back Cy Young winners is incredible. Uh, so for the first month of the year, Glasnow learned how to control the strike zone. 38 strikeouts, 7 walks, that's great. It's Tyler Glasnow for me. Uh, I'm going to... I think that's a great point, a great narrative, but we're talking about who we think is going to keep it going the whole year. I'm going to give it to Verlander. He's the, he's, he's the best pitcher. The list, yeah, yeah. yeah, if you look at the list of the guys that are like have been the best pitchers so far, he's the only one that you look at and it's like, wow, that guy's an absolute stud. So, and he's, yeah. So I'm going to take Verlander, but I want to give it to Domingo Armand. But it's not going to be. <laughs> no. Dude, he pitches four innings and looks like the best pitcher in baseball, and then it just wheels fall off. Yep. But yeah, I'm going to go with Verlander. Same. That's it. All right, National League. Right now, uh, again, we're about to talk about our biggest surprises and letdowns. And all three of the top finishers in the NL Cy Young race last year have been major letdowns. Uh, so right now, Luis Castillo, Herman Marquez, and Patrick Corbin. Castillo's got the 1-2-3 ERA, uh, which is microscopic. Corbin's been great for the Nats. Uh, but the guy I'm going to go with... If a guy has a 2.54 ERA and a 1.05 whip pitching for the Colorado Rockies, that guy should be the Cy Young. So I'm going to say Herman Marquez. Yeah, but if you have a lower ERA, a lower whip, and you struck out more guys, then you probably should be the Cy Young. I'm going to go Luis Castillo. You didn't see the Cy Young vote from Verlander and uh, Porcello then? No, I didn't. Yeah, Ver- Verlander literally had all three things you just checked off, but Porcello had five more wins and won the Cy Young. That's a lot of wins. I'm with you there. Also, they have the same record, though, him and Jermaine Marquez, so F off, dude. I'm just saying. Yeah. Luis Castillo for me. He's been unbelievable. But I also like that because I said in the beginning of the year Luis Castillo is going to be sick this year, So, and I don't know anything about baseball. You think Luis Castillo can win the Cy Young for a last place team? Yeah, it's not the MVP. If he wins, like, if he goes, like, 17 and, like, 9 on a last place team with a 2 2 ERA and 220 strikeouts, yeah. Why not? That's a pretty good season to me. Fair enough. Uh, moving to behind the dugout, manager of the year, uh, American League. There's a lot of guys you can go with Aaron here. Aaron Boone. I, I think the Yankees are winning in spite of Boone, not because of him. <laughs> uh, Rocco Bedelli's done a great job with the Twins. Scott Severs has the Mariners off to a crazy start. But the Rays won 90 games last year out of nowhere, and Kevin Cash didn't win it last year. This is the year. Yeah, it's I like, you. come on. I think so, Dude. too. Mike Talkman is playing for the Yankees. And te- playing terribly at that. And they're winning. Yeah. <laughs> they're 9-1 and one in their last 10. I still stinks. think it's in spite of Boone. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, I think, like, on paper, like, what Boone's doing is incredible. But if you ever watch these games, you're like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, I think that... And also, I'm just not a... I like Boone as a guy. I don't like him as a manager. I still miss Girardi. Um, but I think that... I think what he's doing on paper is incredible and he probably has a good argument for it right now like if the season ends today it probably is Boone in my opinion but I just think that at a certain point he's going to get a lot of these guys back and yeah well we're saying as of now 
Yeah, what's our counter? I think that's a good question. Are we saying what we think is going to happen? I've been saying as of now. I think we've been saying two different things. But... Yeah, I think so too. Because I've been going with what I think is like the long term is going to be. Which is fine. We could have different yeah. takes. Well, I like it. It would make more sense if we had a standardized, uh, you know. We're all unique. Yeah, speak for yourself. Um, I think Aaron Boone. you got to give him credit for... Like, who else are you going to give credit Man to? Man of the year right now is Boone. Who like Jones. who else gets credit for it if it's not if it's not everybody's been hurt missed Cashman boy it would be Cashman <laughs> Cashman's executive of the year yeah every year uh, and in the NL right now I think it's a two dog race Mike Schilt the Cardinals manager Andy Green for the Padres the Padres win like eighty four games I think Green would be my pick now and he would be my pick at the end of the year if they're above five hundred just keep saying about the Padres they're playing well they're playing well and their best players playing terribly. If he if really their best three up. players because Will Myers and Hosmer, yeah. the three players who make up like 90% of their payroll, have all been bad. Dude, they pick it up. You just fart and smell your fingers. No, I actually didn't. I just like scratched my foot and smelled my finger. Nice. It happens sometimes. You know, wear shoes all day. I, I do. If, you, if you're curious, it smells fine. <laughs> it's good. So, love to smell your feet, dude. Smell yes. great. Yikes. Give me, uh, give me the, the Padres yeah. uh, manager for now. I'm with you. Because I forgot his name already. The Westport crew uh, with some really unique picks. I oh, guess like you, day apart. I guess like you said, Westport is not unique. <laughs> no. no. Uh, all right. Some of our biggest surprises and biggest letdowns this year, uh, and the AL some big surprises: Tim Anderson, Domingo Santana, Meadows, Matt Schumacher, who again is out for the year, but long time journeyman. Domingo Herman and Shane Green. Of all these guys, I think my biggest surprise is actually going to be Shane Green. He's the best closer in the American League right now. Yeah, I mean, and he's the guy, the guy that like everybody used to. I mean, they still do, but like Pat uh, Cashman on the back for trading him in the the Didi Gregorius trade. But like Shane, also looks pretty good. I mean, I listen. I mean, I, this is obviously biased, and every time I mention the Yankees, it's because ninety five percent of the baseball I watch is Yankees. But Domingo Herman's been really, really good. He's an all-star yeah. since the today, for sure. And, like, yet, even, like, yesterday, like, he pitched, and, what, he went five innings and looked amazing, and the sixth inning wheels fell off, which seems to happen with him. But, like, that's, they're the team where if he can go five innings, they have the bullpen to win those games, like... Every single time. Five or six innings with him, and, like... He got a little unlucky, too. There was a wild pitch. Yeah. Uh, Cameron Maven grossly misplayed a ball in left field. Um, I'm going with my boy, Tim Anderson. Yeah, he's been amazing too. I see that one coming, Chase. I mean, he had a top prospect pedigree, so it's not totally out of left field, but he made it. When those guys don't pan out, they never pan out. He also hasn't batted over like 270 or something his whole career. All right, in the NL, some names Chris Paddock, Zach Davies, uh, Caleb Smith, a huge bright spot for the Marlins in their rotation. Marquez is hitting 340. Hayward is hitting in the 300s. Uh, Hayward hasn't hit 300 since. Jason Hayward? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's that's the most surprising thing ever. Forever. But my most surprising guy is going to be Paul DeYoung, the shortstop for the Cardinals. A uh, guy who, again, is rookie year at 25 homers in 108 games. Last year, though, hit 241 with a 313 on base. This year. 342, 392, 604, and is literally leading National League shortstops in every significant offensive category. And he's a big reason why the Cardinals have the best run differential in baseball. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a good take. I'm, I'm just shocked about Jason Hayward. I mean, the Jay Hay kid. Dude, he was so good. And I literally I said, don't mean this year, I said, when is this guy going to learn to hit again? And, I mean, he's got, he's hitting a well over 300, on base percentage well over 400. 
five home runs, 15 RBIs. Why are you shaking your head at me about Jason Hayward? I'm shaking my head because he's going to take my surprise again. Oh, that's why I go first. Yeah. Dude, he's... Oh, okay, fine. That and Chris Paddock, even though I drafted him in the fantasy game. He's a stud. And he was unreal this spring, so it's not really that surprising. Jason, he's got good stuff. Sorry. Jason Hayward. And his brother went to Miami, so of course. Wow. How'd he do that? Good. But we talked about this. Yeah, he's good. He's fine. He's good. He's all right. All right, and then the biggest letdown a month into the season. Uh, for hitters, my three are Jose Ramirez, Chris Bryant, Manny Machado. But of those three, KB's coming off the injury, uh, so I give him a slight pass. Machado is adjusting from moving from Camden Yards, one of the best hitters park, to Petco Park, one of the worst. Jose Ramirez is a guy who was going top three in every fantasy league, uh, and he's hitting 188, 284, 287. His OPS of 572, Bellinger's on-base percentage is almost higher than that. Uh, to me, he's been the biggest letdown of any I was gonna, this well, I was going to agree with you on that. He's uh, I mean, he's lucky to be on the field after almost breaking his leg the last day of spring training. But, um, yeah, he's been really disappointing for, you know, anybody who drafted him in fantasy and for, for um, you know, for fans of the Indians. But a couple other guys that are on, on this list right now, Jackie Bradley Jr. I just think Jackie Bradley Jr. isn't that good. Dude, he was good. They I think. Him, didn't they? I think not yet. They paid Bogart. The they paid Bogart. Anyone outside of Boston realizes that Bradley is a good, not unreal defender, but the bat has never been there. But the Red Sox fans, like the whole Red Sox team. I mean, I know we're about to talk about. Yeah, I guess Jackie Bradley Jr. hasn't been there. He had one really good year. That's like the only year. It's the outlier year. Yeah. I mean, I was just gonna. I mean, it's hard to like. I mean, when you look at them, like it's pretty clear that the, the worst thing for them has been Chris Sale. But I'm sure we're about to get into that. Jose Ramirez has been the biggest disappointment Yep. in terms of hitters. Yeah, and then the three biggest disappointment uh, pitching-wise are all guys who finished in the top three at the Cy Young last year. Uh, I mean, Chris Sale is 0-5 with a 6-3 ERA. Nola is 2-0, but with a 5-6-8 ERA and a 1.579 whip. And then Kluber is 2-2 with a negative war. And a 5-8-1 ERA, 1-6-7-7 whip. I would say of all three of those guys, um, Kluber's showed a decline a little bit in the second half of last season. So to me, the two most disappointing would be uh, Sale just coming off of the monster contract. Uh, and Nola, who at 25, it's there's really no excuse for him to be pitching like this. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I was going to say, I said Sale, and I said, I'll stick with Sale just because of the contract and because, uh, you know, he kind of let, I mean, obviously the Red Sox won it all last year, but the second half was certainly not, you know, Sale was hurt the whole time. Clearly isn't, still clearly isn't healthy. Um, so I think he's been really, really disappointing for them. But very not disappointing to me. I mean, he's been, as I mentioned. Sam? Yep. The uh, very frequent I know nothing about baseball segment, Sale is my Cy Young um, World Series MVP pick is horrible. You also picked Mookie to win the MVP, who's not also not been very good. No, he's not. I don't know anything. Um, but Greg, Chris Sale's been disappointing. He stinks. But a guy we do all know because of his famous father, uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr., the number one prospect in baseball, finally made his debut on Friday. Uh, didn't dominate the competition, but did show flashes of star potential on the field and at the plate. Uh, his first two at-bats, really hard-hit fly balls to the outfield corners. One of them actually got robbed. A really nice play by the A's left fielder. Uh, he then collected his first hit of his MLB career with a double down the first baseline in the ninth. Uh, he was pinch run for uh, by Alan Hansen. And then three batters later, Brandon Jury drove in Hansen uh, with a two-run homer for the walk-off win. 
So great to see Vlad uh, in baseball this year. Um, MLB.com, Andrew Simon, who's a great stats guy, um, he has some projections uh, for this year at his age 20 season uh, that I just wanted to give you guys. So the optimistic projection has uh, Vlad Jr. going 330, 402, 560, 27 homers, 5.7 war. The comp would be Frank Robinson there. For this year? The standard projection, 300, 365, 509. 21 homers, 4.1 more, which would be a Bryce Harper comp. How did and they come up with these? The pessimistic one, 270, 329, 458, 14 homers, 2.6 war. Adrian Beltre is the comp. Where do you guys see Vlad Jr. this year? To me, somewhere between standard and pessimistic. But like, where are yeah, they coming up not, with these? He's not hitting 300 this year. He might, but like, where are they? I just don't get where they come up with how they. Like, I love that they say, oh, yeah, these are his projections. It's like, yeah, I could draw a straight line going one way and say that's a projection, but like, what? Sabermetrician Brian Cartwright uses the Oliver system. What is the Oliver? Yes. Oliver is a system of player projections developed by Brian Cartwright used by the Hardball Times. For projecting returning major league players, it uses a somewhat basic formula. Three years of player data with the most recent years weighed heavier while also factoring age and regression to the mean. Okay. Um, what do they do for a guy who doesn't have three years of data? How do they do it for a guy who's played one game? Bro, I'm, I'm reading it right now. Say first, the, the optimistic one is he hits 330. Like, come on, let's be real here. I think he could do, I think he could do like almost what Andujar did last year. Granted, Andujar is like five years old, like three or four years older. I think Vlad Jr., this is my stat line. I think he's going to hit 290. 370 on base, hit 25 homers. 370 on base? Do you got that good of an eye? He does. does. Walked To me, if a guy walks more than he strikes out in the minor leagues, especially a guy like Vlad Jr. who was facing minor league pitching at 16, yeah. that's a really telling sign that a guy's going to be a stud. Yeah, I'm going to put him at like something similar to Duhar, maybe factoring in the fact that he's got a better on base percentage, but then maybe like less RBIs because like it's the Blue Jays, not the Yankees. So I'll put him at like... We'll put him at 70. I'll set the over-under for ribbies at 75. Okay. I'll take, um, uh, maybe a little bit more than that. I mean, I'll say he's going to hit 290 to 300, hit 20 to 25 home runs, and have, have like 75 to 85. So that's guys. not too far no, out. that's a good year. I so just, that's not too far out from the uh, standard projection, the middle one. Yeah, I mean, I think, listen, I'm not like, I'm just curious how they come up with those. What do you think for Vlad Jr., though? I'm like pretty in line with the pessimistic view. It's what is it, 19, 20? Yeah. Um, I think hitting 290 is gonna be a great year for him. Yeah. Uh, what did Soto do last year? Juan. He'll do a little bit. He could do like around there as well. Yeah, Juan was pretty ridiculous last year. Juan's younger. Juan is, is Juan is his age, which is in itself crazy. Yeah, I can see. I think like these are like very good stats. Dude, at 19, yeah, he was ridiculous. 292, 406, 22 homers, 70 RBIs. Like, I don't think that, I mean, this, Guerrero's been more hyped. He's also going to play more games. I, but I think that, like, something in that world is in line. The 406 on base percent seems, like, really, really high. And, but, it's, and it's cool, because Vlad Jr., as you mentioned before, or when you looked at the notes, you were surprised. Uh, he's the first of three stud Prospects that the Blue Jays have in their system who are sons of former major leaguers. Uh, Bo Bichette, Dante Bichette's kid, uh, is one of the top shortstop prospects in the game. He'll be up soon. And Kevin Biggio, Craig's kid, one of the top five second baseman prospects. Uh, so with that said, um, it could be the Guerreros when all is said and done, but who would you say right now are the greatest father-son duo in baseball history? 
Got to be the Bonds kids. He Bonds said the Griffies, and I said you're crazy. Yeah. It's the Bonds. I love Ken Griffey Jr. Dude, Ken Griffey Jr. is so cool. Yeah, but Barry Bonds is better than Ken Griffey Jr. And Bobby Bonds is substantially better than Ken Sr. Yeah, yeah, but Ken Jr. is. I think it's, than it's like it's it's like it's like probably unanimous that it would be the Bonds without the steroid situation, right? Dude, even if you were to take the first ten years of Bonds' career, it's still the Bonds's. Don't sleep on the Boons. Yeah, you could sleep okay. on the Boons. Is it like Brett Boone in prison or something? No. He did something messed up. He's, if I take a guess, he's a big Trump guy. Uh, all right, I had a lot more planned Probably. for this show, uh, so we're just going to power through and do some quick hot takes. Ready? Uh, so Cubs right now are apparently threatening journalists that speak negatively about Addison Russell, who was just suspended 40 games for a domestic abuse uh, case where basically he beat up his wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a worse look you can have for a franchise, that's, that's especially it. the franchise that traded for a role this Chapman? <laughs> that's the worst look ever. Welcome to Trump's America. That's horrible. Seriously, I mean, like, they, you don't want someone to say And this something? is crazy to me because I feel like Theo Epstein is like a champion liberal. Is he? Young, yeah, young guy went to Yale. Analytic based, I feel like analytic based. You got to be a Democrat right there. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's a bad look. I just think that like it's happening in a lot of sports where these guys are just like treating the media so poorly. It's like, come on, you you know half your half the reason anybody cares about you is because of the media. Literally, so. the reason you're getting paid is because like idiots like us want to listen to what you have to say. Answer the questions. Yeah. Like, this is the whole like the whole thing and like not to switch sports again, but the like Russell you know, the thing. Russell Westbrook thing. It's like, dude, just answer no. the question. Like, come on. Like I'm with you. If you're gonna talk badly about somebody for committing domestic violence, like oh, oops, you shouldn't have committed domestic yeah. violence, you probably shouldn't be playing baseball. Yeah. You know? So yeah, it's not like they're but, like, roasting it's cool, him. but like they're gonna allow it, I guess. Yeah. Like it's not like they're roasting him for striking out three times in a game. Yeah. Like Tyree Hill probably like You should never play football again. He but you know he will. Yeah. Because he's that's really the fast. Way these things are. Yeah. Two round number milestones this week. Uh, Albert Pujols, uh, he passed Barry Bonds on the RBI list. He's now third all-time and trails only Alex Rodriguez and Hank Aaron with 1997 RBIs. Uh, We talked about Pujols last week, but again, I mean, it's just a shame for this generation that they never got to see Cardinals Pujols because, to me, greatest hitter I've ever seen live. Yeah, it's funny. Like This kind of happens in professional sports where it's like these guys that were so good, like, you know when we were younger and then you kind of forget about them and then all of a sudden you start to see them again because they're starting to break all the records you're like, oh, talking like, about 10 years ago yeah. you know so it's like like with Dirk was like passing all these guys yeah. for uh, not to keep changing sports but like Dirk was, was passing all these guys for scoring you're like oh yeah, forgot about him he was an all-star <laughs> 10 years straight yeah. forget about him for 5 and then all of a sudden and all of a sudden it's like oh yeah this is, like, this is why he was so good and now like baseball like I'm not I, Pools used to be must-watch TV. Now it's like I don't really care. Now he's must-watch TV for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, exactly. But like now you see like, oh, yeah, now he's doing this, he's doing that. And Max Scherzer hit his 25th hundred strikeout, or I guess through his 25th hundred strikeout. Hit was the worst word I could have yeah. used there. 35th, 35th pitcher in baseball history to do so. Uh, third fastest ever in terms of innings pitch behind Randy Johnson and Pedro Martinez. Uh, he's led the league in strikeouts each of the past three years. Uh, became the fifth hurler since 2001 to record 300 strikeouts in a year last year. I'll ask you guys this because I'm intrigued. If Max Scherzer retires right now, is he a Hall of Famer? I think yes. Um, I think the peak is that good. Because he arguably should have won a fourth Cy Young last year. Um, yeah, he is. And I guess I don't realize, like, 
To me, 2,500 strikeouts doesn't seem like that big of a number. Oh, dude, it's a ton. But, like, yeah, 35 ever. Dude, figure he pitches, like, five more, like, years. Oh, he's... Well, when all said and done, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Totally. Oh, totally. Yeah. But, like, he, like if he gets, like, thir- like 3,500 strikeouts out, where would that put him on the all-time record? I don't know. Because, like, top guys 12. that are 4,000, I can only remember two doing it when we while we were watching. 4,000 ever, it's... Uh, Clemens... Clemens, uh, Randy, Randy and then like Clemens, Carl- Randy, Carlton, and Nolan Ryan. And Nolan right? Ryan, yeah. yeah. So I mean, if he if all goes well for Scherzer and he doesn't get hurt like every pitcher does, figure he gets close to thirty five hundred. I mean, with two hundred wins, more than two hundred wins. Yeah. I mean, what did CC CC just struck out? What his? Three, He's three from three thousand. We'll get it this week. Yeah. Which is sick, but like that's a guy who like he was a strikeout pitcher at a point, and like. But three thousand to me, that's the round number that punches CC stick at the Coopers now. Oh, he was a lock for it no matter what. But you know he's got the third most strikeouts ever by lefty. I did not know that. That's pretty cool. And he's gonna have two hundred fifty wins, which is the new three hundred. Yeah, and moving across town, uh, the Mets released Travis Darnode, uh, and I just want to say, isn't it crazy that Syndergaard was the throw-in in the R.A. Dickey trade? Yeah. And Darnode was like the stud prospect of the two. I went to a game where Travis Darnode walk up home runs. That's my. It's probably the highlight of his career. Yeah, that's, that's my Travis Darnode update. Uh, he was the longest tenure bet. Is he? Yeah. Well, not anymore. But yeah, he was. I don't. That's what someone told me yesterday. I don't know. I didn't read I don't that know anywhere. When he came up. What? I feel like him and Degrom both came up in fourteen. Uh, I think Darnode was before that. I I Darnode was two thousand thirteen. I believe you. Uh, Trevor Bauer and Alex Bregman with some awesome beef right now. Um, basically, on Friday, Bauer pitched, or on Thursday, Bauer pitched very well against the Indians or against the Astros. They won two one, uh, one run in eight innings. And Bauer tweeted uh, a picture of him talking to an Alex Bregman bobblehead, saying, "Hey, little buddy, did I dominate you yesterday?" Um, and the bobblehead was nodding. And then Bregman said he calls that dominating. I'm very happy for him. We'll see him again. I'm proud of him. I'm just, I'm really proud of him and proud that he dominated. No, we're not friends. I like beef between two good teams that are probably both going to be in the playoffs. This, to me, is a great baseball feud. Yeah. Uh, But whose side would you take, Bauer or Bregman? Bregman. Bregman, dude. Bauer's a weenie. Also, Bregman's been the best player in baseball. And he's? Just like? Like me. And and, uh, and Christopher Columbus. There we go. There you go. See, we're connecting all the dots this show. Um, yesterday, seven years ago from yesterday, April 28th, 2012, Trout and Harper made their, made their debut. Will there ever be a more significant day in baseball history in terms of rookies making their first appearance in baseball? Um, Can't be, right? Wait, like going forward or in the past? Barry Bonds? Both. Barry Bonds I, was most polarizing baseball player in the history of baseball I know, and the best of all. I know, dude, if, but you not only got Trout, who... Could, when all is said and done, by sabermetric accounts, be the best ever? You have the two highest paid players in sports history debuted on the same day. Oh, I don't know. It's the same. I don't know. It's yeah, bad. no, that's that's uh, what I'm saying. If they, change the, cool. if they change the service time rule, there will be, it won't be too long until there's... Yeah, more really good guys coming up on the same day. Yeah. Yeah, but that's a good point. I didn't think about that. That's sick. I actually didn't Crazy. I remember watching it. It was nuts. And everybody thought Harper was even better. Yeah. I mean, Harper was like the golden Harper was the number one prospect. Trout was the guy who went 25th in the draft. The Yankees passed over him. Idiots. Hmm. That hurts to hear. 
The Angels took R- Randall Grichuk to pick before they picked Trout. Yikes. <laughs> All right, one thing I want to do before I wrap up. Uh, an interesting thing I saw on Twitter was the discussion of how many Hall of Famers have you seen live and in-person play? Uh, and my rough – this was my rough count. Roy Holiday, Edgar Martinez, Mike Mussina, Mo, Vlad, Trevor Hoffman, Chipper, Tomei, Bagwell, Pudge, Piazza, Biggio, Randy Johnson, Pedro Smoltz, Glavin Maddox, Frank Thompson, Frank Thomas, and Ricky Henderson at a Newark Bears game. I saw Ricky Henderson at the Bridgeport Bluefish. So did you? Yeah, it's the same type of thing. Yeah. So I, that's 19. I feel like for me that's a good number. Yeah, I really couldn't. I could I not come close to counting. No. I mean, all the Yankee guys, Piazza. That's, those are the uh, ones Tomei, I know. For I sure. saw. It's a thing. Like the reality is, I've just been to so many baseball games over the years that like this is my best estimate. Yeah. Like, Some of these, like I could tell you for sure, I've seen Holiday pitch. I know I saw Chipper on the road because I caught a batting practice home run for him. I know I've seen Vlad because I went to playoff games. But like the rest, like yeah, I probably saw him play. Yeah, I don't really know, honestly. Um, Didn't include Tom Glavin on the list. I don't think I ever saw Glavin. Pitch I did see Tom. You definitely Glavin. saw him. He was a Met also. Don't forget that. But I'm saying live in uh, person. I think I saw Tom Glavin pitch as a Met live in person. I definitely saw Tom Glavin pitch live in person as a Met. Which led me to this concluding thought: This could be on TV. This could be live in person. Who is the best player you have ever seen play at each position? We'll just go one by one. Catcher for me. Wait, are we talking TV or in person? Either or. So TV. So TV. TV, sure. Yeah. Okay. Catcher for me, my three finalists were Pudge, Maurer, and Piazza. I feel like I didn't get peak Pudge, though, and Piazza was a hitter. I think the best all-around catcher I've ever seen was Joe Maurer. I'm going to say Pudge, dude. Even Pudge, when they beat the when the Marlins beat the Yankees That's in the World Series, he was a joke. Yeah. Like he was still pretty close. I was going to gonna say Piazza. Best I mean, hitting catcher of all time? Best hitting catcher. You could throw Yachty. I, I think you could throw Yachty in there. You could throw... Eh, it's too early for Posey. Uh, first base is a crazy tough one. I mean, you got Pools. It's, it's Pools. Bagwell, yeah. Frank Thomas, Miggy, Votto, but Pools. It's Pools. Yeah. It's Pools, yeah. I mean, he's just like... First, like, there was... Again, there was a point where he was literally the machine. He would get up and, and he was must-watch TV. And he was the best fielder at the position. Second base, it was between Jeff Kent, Utley, Cano, and Biggio for me. Uh, to me, it's Cano. Yeah. Steroids be damned. He is the best all-around second baseman I have ever seen. Hmm. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I want to say it's because I don't really remember Craig Biggio like as the stud that he was. Utley was ridiculous. I mean, Utley was... Utley was really Yeah, good. I mean, in his prime, he was smoking the ball, but Cano was probably better. It's, who was the best defensive second baseman of our days? Ian Kinsler. Really? Is that the... Are you, are you thinking that, or is that... Kinsler's won, like, five six gold glove. Huh. Who do you know? Shortstop. It's Derek the, Jeter, it's keep the captain. Moving. Keep him moving. Uh, third... You had to throw A-Rod somewhere. It's, it, yeah. So I guess you got to throw him at third. But again, you also have two first ballot Hall of Famers in Chipper and Adrian Beltre. So. Here's, here's what I'll tell you. It's A-Rod's the best shortstop I've ever seen play. Sure. I didn't know where to put him at short or third. 
I mean, in terms of he was just because Texas I team. remember a Rod the third baseman more than I remember so, a Rod the short. So, so I'm not taking Jeter off the list. So yeah. So I think I've said this story multiple times before, but like I was like the biggest a Rod fan ever growing up. So when a Rod, he even started going on the cycles uh, junior year. Yeah, that's why I'm such a big, strong guy. No, but when a Rod was when a Rod was in Texas, I used to go to all those games when he was, uh, you know, whenever they came to play New York. Um, you know, when he was a, a Mariner. Um, dude, he was ridiculous as, as a shortstop. And just, like, the way, like, how good of a hitter he was and also in the field. So, I would say he's the best shortstop I've ever seen play. You want to hear something ridiculous? Casey Mize, who was the number one pick in the draft this year by the Tigers, mm-hmm. made his double-A debut today and threw a 98-pitch no-hitter. Wow. That's sick. He's going to be pretty good. He's going to be a stud. Uh, Florida guy. University of, though. Not Whoa. a cave. Or no, Auburn. Oh. Not a Florida guy at all. The best third baseman I ever watched was. It, to me, Beltre was the most fun to watch, but it's it's not A-Rod, it's Chipper. Yeah, it's, it's probably Chipper. But still, even like Chipper's like, kind of caught him at the end, you know? Um, Beltre that one year with the Dodgers was... Beltre was just such a model of consistency. Yeah. All right, left field, Bonds. Yeah, Bonds, all right, center field, Beltran and Jim Edmonds were both great to watch, but this is between Trout and Griffey. And unfortunately, by the time I saw Griffey, he was a Cincinnati Red, so I got to go Trout. Yeah, I got to go also. All right, right field. Uh, this is an interesting quartet here. Ichiro, Vlad, Sosa, or Gary Sheffield? It's not Gary Sheffield. No, it's probably it's, it's, it's probably Sammy Sosa, realistically. Mm. Mm. Even no, still, though, I, I, I would go Ichiro. Yeah, it's Ichiro. But, like, dude, there, like for a time, Sammy Sosa was so ridiculous, too. No, I agree, but his last, like, out-of-this-world year was, like, 2001. I was five years old. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, I guess. All right. Closers, Mo, so we're not even going to discuss this. Uh, starting pitchers, though. I mean, here are some names I just threw out. Clemens, Maddox, Randy Johnson, Kershaw, Holiday, Moose, Glavin, Schilling... He's not the best of all of these guys, but if you ask me who the best pitcher I ever saw pitch was, it's Roy Holiday. If you were to say to me any time growing up who you're going to give the ball to for one game, Randy Johnson threw the hardest. Maddox had probably the best control. The Rocket was the Rocket, but Roy Holiday's my guy. Uh, I disagree wholeheartedly. I think that in terms of pitchers that we've seen, like for like the long term of things, you gotta think about that as well. For like how long we were watching these guys go, and then in that case, it's probably Kershaw. I mean, the last dude I saw Holiday dominate for a decade in both leagues. Yeah, and Kershaw has been better for the same amount of time, just about. So, I, Kershaw's the, Kershaw's probably the best pitcher I think I've ever seen pitch when he was at his best. Yeah. That being said, I don't like to say the guy who's still pitching. So for me, it's like. Randy Johnson was so good for so long, even at like age 40. Um, but I, I'm going to say Kershaw's the best pitcher I've ever seen pitch. Yeah, I agree with that exactly. Yeah, I think the pitching one's tough because it, de- it depends on your definition of oh. like what makes the best pitcher. Like to me, yeah, Kershaw, Verlander, Scherzer, Randy Johnson probably have the four best stuff I've mm-hmm. ever seen. To me, it would also just. Like Young and Santana, dude. Like, yeah. Dude. You throw Pedro in the discussion. Pedro, Pedro, I forgot Pedro. Pedro. Even for like a three, four year stretch, you can throw like Brandon Webb in there. Yeah. I mean, the guy won a Cy Young. Lincecum. 
To me, though, there was just nobody who controlled the game more than Roy Holiday. And that's, to me, my definition. That's fair. Um, all right, guys. Any concluding thoughts for uh, this week? Don't eat roti. Not sure they're great, great ownership, but the food, the chicken will run right through you. Um, I think that's unfair to roti now. I don't even really have like 10 listeners. I don't even know what the place is. So. Well, it's good. Do we want to share the uh, $33 baseball diamond and then do that next week? No, we'll just table that whole thing for next week. Uh, one note I will say, uh, Major League Baseball, you had the Food Fest in L.A. It's time to release the New York dates because I want to try some grasshopper. Yeah, dude, I missed that last year. I was on my grandma's 90th birthday. <clears throat> Horrible. It's 90. We'll go this year. You'll be 90. You know the baseball players she saw. Yeah, I mean, she's seen everybody. She don't like baseball. She don't like basketball either. She thinks it's a devil sport. She <laughs> literally only likes Ohio State football. Go Bucks. O-H-I-O. And on that note, with Alex Spector and Sam Beck, my name is Chase Midorski, and this was the Underdog Sports Baseball Show.